0: Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play.
1: Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and
0: lore of Cyberpunk. I'm Toasty. A fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting.
1: And I'm Genesis, an old-school media tech with a love of character deep dives.
0: Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future.
1: We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back, Chooms, to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl, Genesis, and with me for a full, solid year now is Toasty.
0: Yeah, it's a long time.
1: It is! We've been doing this show for a year together now, uh, because it started when Edge Runners came out, which also mean it means it's been a year since Edge Runners hit. That's true. Crazy on that, and these are—I st- mean—edge runners are still characters that I still love and think about all the time. I mean, I've got a David sticker looking at me right here. I mean, okay, it's the his brain dance symbol, the the brain dance symbol, but still.
0: I just started the uh, the quest for his jacket like twenty minutes ago.
1: Oh, nice!
0: Yeah. So
1: yep. when I loaded up my V, he was still wearing David's jacket and carrying wow, Rebecca's, nice. Rebecca's shotgun. Nice. Definitely accomplished quite a bit over the last year. Uh, we've had Jay back on the show. We had Gav from Miracle of Sound, who does cyberpunk music on YouTube We've definitely, we've had a few arguments. Not that many. <laughs> is that,
0: is that what we're using to set the record, <laughs> just number of arguments?
1: Uh, arguing is healthy. It means that we have good alchemy.
0: <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, oh, You have to go listen to the wisher Lorecast to get that one. Yep.
1: And we have jokes that have lasted over time and over many, many episodes. Little inside nods to each other. No. Thank you for being my co-host and putting up with me for a year. I'm not the easiest person to deal with.
0: I've been putting up with my wife for six, so...
1: (laughs) What's taking on another wife?
0: Fair enough, yeah, basically.
1: Well... It's been a while. Or at least it feels like it's been a while since we've done an actual lore cast episode. Mm-hmm. Very heavily focused on Phantom Liberty and uh, time to take a step back. I think. Because it's here. Phantom Liberty is out. You can go and you can experience it for yourself. Um, I will say that I have completed my first run through. It took about 45 hours to do everything that I could possibly find. There's probably some stuff that I didn't find. And then, of course, there are still the endless dynamic events, which would further my character progression even more and more. But the dynamic events don't actually do anything for storyline. They are strictly... uh, gear gathering and minor leveling up things mm-hmm. I ha- i've definitely hit level 60 um, and street cred did stay at 50
0: that makes I sense i
1: have a lot of thoughts and feels about it but i've been screenshotting and taking lore notes for sure uh, because I've I've read a lot of shards. I've actually been reading the shards that have been coming up. Uh, I know. Uh, I was like, oh, this is daunting. But then it, it didn't feel as crazy and chaotic when I was reading the actual shards that pertain to news events. Or things that I already had some insight on. Like, there was a shard about the Fourth Corporate War. And I was like dude, I know about this now because of all the research that we've done for this show, it actually got me a little bit more immersed in the game to be reading about it.
0: I, I cannot say that I've read very many shards as of late. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of not reading the shards. But I have learned how to fly. <laughs> and I mean, right now i i started because i started a new character um i'm like like 13 hours of gameplay right now so significant significantly more from like last week um but uh i have i have passed the title screen but i'm just like running around doing gigs and stuff right now but to be fair like, the leveling goes so fast, at least with these earlier parts, because mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm, like, level 30, bro, and I ain't even went to talk to Takamura in the diner.
1: Damn. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, at 30, you could, oh, do you have a street cred that you have to hit before you get, oh, no, you've got to hit the I
0: have, like, twice. a, I'm, like, I'm, like, 35 street cred, like, I'm not worried about it. <laughs> My street cred's up there.
1: I was just wondering what the minimum requirements to get into Dogtown are.
0: I don't. I think it's. I think it is the story point. I can't remember. I mean, I'll definitely be fifty. Probably way before I go talk to Takamura in the diner. So.
1: Oh man.
0: I've already. Yeah, I've already. Because of what? I've already maxed out. My cool. And almost my reflexes all the way too.
1: Mm. Hmm. Very very nice.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right, so I can't wait until we get to start to just dis- start discussing the new lore. Like there's definitely stuff in here. Like we got some stuff about like Haiti and Antarctica, and I know, right? I sat and listened to a WNS station. Like, I was just, like, listening to it, and I'm like, who is this person? I don't even listen to the news right now in the real world, but I'm willing to listen to you talk to me through the computer about it. It was it was a moment, and I was like, um, okay, weird. But, yeah, I listened to a whole thing on Net54 about Antarctica.
0: That's cool.
1: Uh But before we get to the new lore, we must always explore the foundations of the past. And that past today is that of Night City itself. So, take us away, Toasty, with the inception of Night City.
0: So, our main character's story begins. Uh, That's a a little joke for people that like pay attention to the creators and how they talk about how the the main character of cyberpunk is night city and night city always wins. Uh, but anyways, from 1990 to 1992, uh, Richard Knight, a successful businessman who during the early 1990s was concerned by the violence and disruption of the impending collapse. Talked about the collapse he saw himself in a unique position to deal with the forthcoming issue. Working mainly on corporate funded projects, Richard decided to start a side company known as Knight International and to began to plan an ideal new city, an environment that would be controlled and ultimately be safe from the ravages tearing the world apart. His new city was to be completely planned, self-sufficient, and and capable of holding off even the most determined criminals. It would boast planned neighborhoods dedicated to preserving the feel of different types of nationalities and cultures, as well as a super modern corporate center that would stand as a shining beacon of enlightened capitalism. It was ambitious, far reaching and visionary in its approach. It's a cool idea to like preserve like different cultures this way. Like enlightened capitalism? Right. Mm, okay. Mm, okay. Mm,
1: okay. And, I mean, like a planned, self sufficient city sounds great in theory or sounds extremely cultist commune. That's true. Now, eventually, Knight managed to secure the unheard amount of capital needed to finance such a large scale project. With the collapse, many corporations had been looking to establish their own urban areas, or controlled zones, free of crime, poverty, or debt. A place where governments would be corporate-run, allowing optimum zoning and no anti-business elements to interfere with corporate growth. Yay! Ideally, it would be a capitalist hub of opportunity Knight's dream was tailor-made for their purposes, and so Knight provided the design and the the construction capacities while these corporations lended funds. By 1992, Arasaka and EBM, the Euro Business Machines, and Petrochem had all signed up with the project, leading to the formation of the Coronado Partnership.
0: Yeah, I noticed that today. Whenever I was like playing through, like in Arroyo, there's the giant like Petrokim Dam. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, right that that makes sense. Yeah. Hmm. Oh gosh. So, for, as for the planning, which took place from 1992 to 1994, uh, Richard Knight needed a surplus of land for his new infrastructure development, as well as access to both seaports and modern highways to deliver the huge amounts of materials that he would need to construct it. He sent scouting teams to the East and West coasts of the United States. And in the end, it was a small article in the San Francisco Chronicle that caught his eye. The article described a dreadful incident that had taken place in a small town called Moro Bay along the central California coast. Now a ghost town Knight was able to purchase the land where Morrow Bay stood for a very low price. Petrochem helped in the acquisition as the corporation had already taken over the town's then abandoned Dinergy power plant and was already planning to set up an offshore port, port and oil terminal site. A leveraged $132 million purchase secured the remaining parcels you know building like the ideal perfect city on top of like a disastrous area like uh, hmm, some bad juju
1: <laughs> yeah definitely Hmm. so I, i'm i'm just looking this up really quickly because i want to know 1990 a <laughs> hundred and thirty two million USD in 1992 with inflation is approximately two hundred and eighty eight million today. That's.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a lot. But like when you consider the amount of space that Night City spans over it's pretty cheap. For, like, buying all that land. That's a lot of land.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's like $200 million. Seems like a lot of money. Or I guess this is closer to three. But, like, there's probably houses that are worth that, you know?
0: Yeah, that's true.
1: Million million house. All right. Back to Night City. Uh, being bankrolled by Merrill Asuga and Finch?
0: Asukaga. Asukaga,
1: thank you. Uh, Meryl Asukaga and Finch, or known as M-A-N-F, math. Remember, math. Uh, who wanted to make the new city a financial hub. Knight and Petrachem employed the Arasaka Corporation to remove the gang's and make the area a safe zone for construction. Hmm. Arasaka being bullies? Never. Further funds came from external investors lured to the project by the promise of lucrative building contracts and possible sources of unregulated income. Hmm. In order to erase the stigma of the incident, the partnership renamed the region... Del Coronado Bay to make way for their new project of Coronado City. However, thanks to the rather ostentatious personality of its founder, it soon became colloquial known by the locals as Knights City. <laughs>
0: By 1993, the outlining of Coronado City required more terrain than what the geology of the bay originally had. Thus, the partnership leveled the surrounding hills and dumped them into the ocean as fill, reshaping the bay in order that the formerly narrow sand spit to the west was widened to about 10 miles. They also redredged the harbor, making it capable of porting the large ships needed to build the metropolis, with the remaining dirt also ending up as fill on the western edge. The location was also the ideal place to build a station for the Planetran Intercontinental Maglev.
1: See, okay, I kind of find this cool. Where you're clearing out land from one area and moving it to another to create the, the you're terraforming, basically.
0: Mm-hmm. And as long
1: as it's done safely and ecologically and isn't going to affect things, I think I'm kind of okay with it.
0: Yeah, but like...
1: We know what happens on the eastern side of Night City
0: yeah so like i mean i don't know precisely like i'm not a construction guy i don't i don't know construction stuff but like building a city on like all of this like fill seems like a real bad idea because it's not you're not like actually like creating like foundations for these things like you are just you're literally like putting dirt yeah in holes yeah. it seems like unsafe construction practice which granted i feel like construction projects take shortcuts all the time but it's still like hmm. but who what would i know i'm not i'm not a construction guy
1: nor am i intercontinental <gasps> maglev do we see yeah, i guess we do see it in some parts of the city where a maglev could have been Cause there's like, uh, walkways that are, or am I thinking monorail or is the maglev now what the train is? Is that the maglev? The metro
0: system? I think that's a monorail. I don't know. Is this one, that one's like, is that one over a track or is it under a track? Monorail's under a track, right?
1: No, a monorail is one train or two trains that are on one circuit. So, meaning that there aren't two trains going one way, and then another train is going the opposite way. So, you can never have, like, two trains stop at one station. It is a mono. It is a single rail.
0: Okay. So, maybe? I don't know.
1: But a maglev, uh, I could see being what is now the maglev.
0: Med- it's supposed to be intercontinental, so I don't think it quite is, actually. I think it's just a mon- like a monorail, probably. Okay. Because intercontinental, like, implies that it travels to other places. Right. So they may they may never put it in. To be fair, this is still planning stage, so it may have never been put in.
1: That is fair and valid. Okay, so moving forward. Coronado City truly reflected its creator's eclectic vision. Instead of a huge construction of steel and glass, Knight's urban plan broke the city into a series of neighborhoods, each with a different architectural style and theme. It included elements ranging from many notorious North American cities like New York and San Francisco, to the faux brownstones and pseudo-Victorian gingerbread homes, while the Asian-like neighborhoods reflected its individual cultural styles. Small shops and restaurants and businesses were designed to be within easy walking distance from the urban living spaces. And a massive construction, when it came to be known as the New Harbor Mallplex, was to be the place of a world-class mall.
0: I love
1: this idea. I would love to have my house within walking distance of everything.
0: That's true. I mean, some of it seems to be like it's stuck, the different kinds of neighborhoods and things like split up. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's, that's, you kind of get that.
1: Oh yeah. This is totally what night city is like. I'm just saying that I wish my real world house was also like,
0: Oh, okay. Fair enough. I mean, I live in the largest landmass city in the United States, so that would never happen.
1: Yeah, I also do live in suburbia, and I'm pretty sure that if I actually went and lived in urbia, then it would work. It tells urbia, me, feel like the fact I made up a new word.
0: <laughs> I don't. I, I didn't like it. Now, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> An open marina area would handle private vessels and other recreational boating activities, while the main industrial port would be established north of the city. Knight also paid homage to the small former township of Morro Bay by recreating much of its original layout in an open air environment reminiscent of a seaside village the city and corporate centers were going to be the glittering locations of high rises and parks. And it was here where Knight showed off his personal architectural skills and the designs of the many corporate skyscrapers, which would become the most visible sign of the city's rising affluence.
1: Oh, okay. I wonder,
0: I wonder if it's like, cause like a seaside village. Was that within, did he ever do this? Or is it just like one of those things? that was a plan that didn't get come quite to fruition. Cause I'm thinking of like a Laguna bend. Mm. Cause that's like a seaside village sort of. And then it got fucking put underwater. Yeah. Which I'm wondering, it's like, I don't know how big this, the city was like for this, like, did it spread out more before like the bomb went off and they had to rebuild everything mm-hmm. and did they decide to like tuck it in closer with like the resources they had, maybe, I don't know.
1: And then it says that Knight showed off his architectural skills in the, in the skyscrapers. So, I mean, like his corporate Corpo Plaza, his fingerprint, that's where his stamp is.
0: I mean, maybe, or it, I mean, Corpo Plaza got, completely fucked so we don't see it anymore yeah who really knows
1: valid uh so let's move it a little bit forward into the construction and renaming this took takes place mainly through 94 to 98 construction began in may of 1994 when, although Petrochem and MAF were the major bankrollers for the Coronado partnership, there weren't construction companies. and such, and as such, they needed someone who could bring in the machinery and workforce to actually dig the holes and put up the steel, you know actually do the physical labor. Mm-hmm. An issue that eventually led them to employing the mob blink
0: blink and not even the bomb mobs plural
1: oh that's right multiple the west coast mobs such as the mafia the yakuza and others here arasaka please clear out all the gangs from my future land development so that way i can invite my own gangs in
0: yeah basically <laughs>
1: Now, the reason that they did that is that because these mobs had maintained a stranglehold on heavy construction in the region for decades. They they controlled the construction unions, transport unions, and most of the government agencies in charge of construction licenses, environmental impacts, and other building necessities.
0: By investing a large amount of money into the partnership, the organized crime mobs hoped they would not only make a huge return on lucrative construction work, but also have the inside track on future gambling, prostitution, and drug franchises in the new city. However, Knight's plan required the use of his own advanced building techniques and materials, which excluded a number of established unions and construction firms controlled by his new partners. This displeased them, and Knight's further insistence that his new city would be safe and crime free angered them even more.
1: During the first four years of construction, there were daily threats against Knight's life. Is uh, hold on. what's his name? No, that is Richard Knight, not against like nightlife because that's something completely different.
0: And fair clarification.
1: <laughs> and when the threats escalated to the level of sabotage and intimidation, he called in his corporate partners who dealt with the issue swiftly and ruthlessly. However, despite his influence and his allies promising to deal with it, Knight's luck ran out. On September 20th, 1998, he was shot and murdered in his penthouse suite at the top of the newly constructed Parkview Tower. Richard Knight's killer was never apprehended, And in his memory, the newly appointed city council officially renamed Coronado City as Night City in his honor.
0: Yay!
1: Oh, September 20th, that wasn't too long ago. We should have acknowledged his past.
0: And it's fine. We just have to remember Johnny's birthday. That's really what matters. <laughs> <laughs> Is in November? Right? I think so. Well, this put the city into a uh, interim phase uh, after his death, from about 1998 to 2005. Um, a year after her husband's death, Miriam Knight restructured Richard's company and founded Knight City and founded a Knights Foundation with the primary goal to protect and promote her husband's vision of the perfect city. This foundation would eventually be reorganized to become Knight Corporation.
1: Knight City's combat zone appeared sometime between 1998 (laughs) and 2000. Ever since Knight's death, the corporations and organized crime of that time carved up the city's resources. Which resulted in the Night City Police Department becoming completely ineffective,
0: and a- they will remain so till this day.
1: Exactly. Yes. I mean, they have gotten a little bit better in 2077.
0: No, Max Tag just exists.
1: Okay, facts.
0: <laughs> that's it. The, the rest of them suck, but Max Tag can handle things. Yeah, that's it.
1: Gangs backed by corporate and mob sponsors established themselves in the suburbs south of the city central. And in time, these gangs became so entrenched that the only way to remove them would be to demolish the entire area and start from scratch. There were many discussions on whether or not night city should have walled it off. But in the end, No agency, either civil or corporate, was willing to take the initiative to begin such a massive undertaking.
0: Mm, There goes that idea of a crime-free, gang-free city. Uh, The following years were chaotic as the different powers battled for control of Night City, while the mob bosses who had killed the magnate began to appropriate most of the metropolis chaos ensues all (laughs) right
1: i've got nothing else um and on that note though i think we should step in and take our little mid-break and then when we get back we will continue to move the timeline forward of night city starting in 2005 Welcome to the middle of the show where we talk about the show and not the lore of cyberpunk. We do have a few quick announcements. Thank you so much to our two newest patrons, Caveman222 and Lalo. Tooms, welcome to the fam. We appreciate. That brings up our patrons to 12... And we appreciate every single one of you. We hope to see you guys at the end of the month on our monthly patron chat. I haven't decided what the topic is going to be yet because it's just the beginning of the month. But once we settle on a topic, we will let y'all know. We can come back and talk about it. We don't have any new reviews to read out. But if you play the Cyberpunk TTRPG, your DM owes you 10 IP per Jay Gray. If you do leave us a review uh, on iTunes or Audible, I think now has written ones, Uh, Spotify comments, I don't think count. But we do appreciate and read them all. I have gone through and I have updated and published all of our recent comments. Uh, so go catch up on them, leave your own comments below, and we hope to see you uh, chatting it up out there. Also, a huge shout out to Rob, Rob, ba- Rob Barefoot, uh, <laughs> new to Artel, not new to our Telsorian Games, but in his new position of being the media manager Jay has decided to step aside. Media
0: ambassador?
1: Media ambassador. Yes, yes. That's the word I was looking for. Jay has decided to step aside and focus on his line manager skill uh, duties and tasks, which, I mean, I totally get. Things are heating up, blowing up over there, especially with, like, the Witcher TTRPG stuff and... Uh, black chrome and dossier gal and just everything that is coming out for cyberpunk, the new novels that are coming out. There's a lot going on. So for him, two, two of these high profile jobs there, uh, shout out to Rob for taking it up. And yeah, hope to hear from him soon. We have connected, so we will get him on the show, um, when there's new stuff to talk about. Anything else to add to the middle of the show? No. You know I delete your long pauses. You do them for dramatic effect, and then I squash them.
0: you to leave them. How, that, how are the people supposed to know?
1: Oh, I do leave most of the
0: pause in there. But. Sure, 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 sure. You know, Jin's got the rest of the show. I'm just going to open up Cyberpunk and play it in the
1: background. Oh, no! We've got so much to talk about. Let's get back into
0: it. Anyways, uh, after said interim period, uh, in the span of 2005 2009, we had the age of mob rule which sounds like so much fun. But by 2005, the mob was the dominant force around Del auto Bay. They had been left alone due to the corporations having little to no interest in running night city. And in most of their corporate strongholds in the outlying Beavervilles, which are just fucking like suburb suburbs. There's suburbs. That's what Beavervilles are.
1: Oh, leave it to Beaver.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, they're just in a fucking suburb. Would you imagine all these, like, random-ass, like, corpos that work in this futuristic society, but they just go home to their white picket fence and... I can't.
1: I can't imagine white picket fucking, fence in Night
0: City. That's, that's what the Beavervilles are! <laughs> I have to imagine every time that I talk about my Cyberpunk Red character who has progressed up to high enough exec level that she uh lives in Beaverville housing which means she's just out there in a suburb for no fucking reason.
1: You drive your <laughs> so little weird. car, park in your driveway. Hmm,
0: no sorry. sorry. Hmm? She gets driven. Um excuse me, put some respect on her name. She got a chauffeur. Okay.
1: Fair enough.
0: <laughs> she's a classy lady. <laughs>
1: Does she have her own car so that way she can drive it on the weekends?
0: Uh, She works for a a, a corporation. There are no weekends. Mm. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) Regardless, back to... uh, They had most of their corporate strongholds in the outlying Beavervilles and their lofty corporate plaza. In the meantime, the city council was a- unable to leave the metropolis without corporate masters to pull the strings and provide the muscle. The organized crime organizations were great in what they did, but it wasn't the same running a whole city.
1: Between 2005 and 2009, much of the city's government was replaced by corrupt mob-selected puppets. And even Petrochem and the MANF found themselves shoved aside in the rush to make quick, illegal euros. Between selling contracts to their colleagues, setting up drug and extortion deals, and generally inviting the worst of the collapse into the area, the mobs managed to run a relatively clean, modern metropolis into an embattled war zone.
0: Crime,
1: Crime, drugs, prostitution, and random violence and cybernetic terrorism soon became the rule of law, causing the name Night City to take on a grim and deadly new meaning by
0: 2009. gotta love
1: it. We have to. I mean, yeah.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're doing a podcast about it, so we have to. Night City's the main character of Cyberpunk. It is. We, it is. we can take a trip around the whole-ass world, Jin, but we're going to come right back here, because this is what it's all about.
1: That is so valid. Oh, my God. Even in my brain, when I start and then go around the world for Night City... It started and ended in Night City. Like I saw California, and my brain pop up, and then we went around the world.
0: Exactly, that's how it works. You always come back. <laughs> uh, these were among the worst years for Night City. Oh, really? I couldn't notice. With some, with more murders in that four-year span than there were for most cities in ten. The mob ruled the city with an iron fist, destroying anything in its way. Gang activity was an all, was at an all-time high during this period, with notorious gangs such as the Raisers or the Slaughterhouse <laughs> making their debut. I think Slaughterhouse. I think of Adam Smasher, and it terrifies me. Yeah, I don't think he was important at this time yet, but still, it was just that I don't like it.
1: No, not in the early two thousands.
0: Yeah, and he started off in like New York anyways, so Mm -hmm. Night City soon became the closest thing to hell on earth. A war zone where someone was just as likely to have their car blown up as have their radio stolen. I feel like I feel like that's like lightweight though. Like I feel like you more just as likely to have someone murdered by their car as have their radio stolen, you know, like,
1: well, I think that's the whole thing. Like if you plant a bomb in somebody's car, it's going to kill you when it goes off.
0: No, I have to like, I have to like clarify that they're getting murdered in these car bombs. Mm. But regardless, the number of unsolved murders documented by the night city police department rose into the thousands.
1: The Mob Wars of 2009 to 2011. After four years of street warfare, the corporations around the city finally began to take matters into their own hands. From 2009 to 2011, during the period of conflict known as the Mob War, the corporations battled the underworld for control of Night City. They didn't go to war to help the citizens, but because it was business. Like a rival corporation, the mob had its own goals, and these didn't fit into the corporate agenda. Led by Arasaka-trained paramilitary troops in assault vehicles, fan tanks, and combat aerodynes, a wave of bombings, assassinations, and outright street battles descended on the mob's ill-prepared members. When the smoke cleared corporations had utterly destroyed the mob's power base in Night City
0: I was thinking it was like didn't go to war to help the citizens but because it was just business that reminds me of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean like the East India Company doesn't go to war with the pirates for like any like moral reason they just go to war because it affects business yeah Like very, uh, right at the very end that gets just like, it's just good business. But at the end of the mob war, the corporations placed a puppet mayor in power and started cleaning up the rest of night city. The newly elected city council faced with the return of chaos in the city deputized corporate security forces and allowed them full authority within city limits. Soon after, the corporate and city centers were cleaned out and restored to their pristine states. The same was done to the other neighborhoods to varying degrees.
1: All right, the corporate rule. After the governmental changes, the harsh new corporate policies contributed to the city's chronic homeless problem. With anyone who didn't have enough money to pay for the renovated versions of the place they were living in, were kicked out by force. This put hundreds on the street as affordable housing was upgraded and used to house the troops the corporations needed to maintain order. In the following years, the situation eased as fewer enforcers and security teams were needed to keep the streets safe
0: by 2013, much of the worst excesses of night city had been crushed under the ruthless heel of the mega corporations. The basic services such as police, firefighters and support services had been reestablished. I guess hooray for that at least. Uh, on April 13th of that same year, famous rocker boy legend Johnny Silverhand held a riot and concert outside Arasaka Tower in order to lead a strike team into the building to rescue his girlfriend, Alt Cunningham. Many rioters and employees died in the event, including the American branch CEO, Toshira Harada, who was murdered during Johnny's assault. The tower was damaged badly and over the following years was eventually replaced by the newly built towers i will say i don't think it was until this point that i realized how far apart like the two big johnny events were oh yeah like i don't think in the game i don't think they make a very fine point unlike saying like whatever Like the one part you do where you go and rescue Alt later, like that, that's 10 years prior to the earlier flashback that you had. Wait. Yeah. Like, whenever you get, like, you, like, later on, whenever you play through, like, Johnny going and rescuing Alt, but she's, like, already, like, fucked up or whatever, that's 2013. And then the bombing is 2023 oh okay i don't think they ever tell you like how big the difference is and i don't think i realized it until right now (laughs) not right now but whenever i was doing the research here
1: wait hold on so the the bombing was in 2023 but -hmm. oh he went to he went to rescue alt she died then he went back 10 years later to do the bombing. Okay. All right. That's, got it now.
0: Yep. It's yeah. just it's confusing because it makes it seem like it's, I thought that the alt thing happened, like, I don't know, like probably within like six months, like prior to the bombing, like he did it and then he like did something else to just basically like take revenge. But I guess not. Yeah.
1: It almost, in, in the flashbacks, it almost seems like it was the same night where everything just, like, Johnny wakes up, and then it, they go on the mission. And, <laughs> but yeah, 30. 10 years. Okay. Uh, by 2020, Night City was rapidly growing urban region. Still okay. rife with the urban violence and street crime, but with strong economic growth in the corporate sector of course it had evolved into a busy successful yet perilous metropolis but possessed an urban slick and stylish cool that made it unique the city all but healed from the ravages of the of its bleak past the corporate plaza was still pristine And the NCPD had enough power to keep the downtown streets fairly safe during the day. However, like many American urban areas, Night City had also devolved into an armed society. It wasn't strange to see as many guns as briefcases on the crowded city streets. Uh, the The city government kept the control. And when things got out of hand, they defended they depended on the corporations to step in. Deals got made, money changed hands, a few people got killed, but others managed to avoid death in turn. Night City was far from Richard Knight's original dream. However, it worked out well enough. I don't know, Toasty. Do you feel like his dream was achieved?
0: I mean his city is the main character of an entire franchise. So, maybe? Moving on um before we die. Um let's talk about the death of a bunch of other people. Um with the fourth corporate war which took place from 2021 to 2025 like many other cities around the globe during the fourth corporate war night city was also caught up in the power struggle between militech and arasaka due to its free state status night city was home to units on both sides of the conflicts and as such it suffered badly from it There were constant urban fights all over Night City, especially around the city and corporate centers, where both factions maintained substantial office complexes.
1: I think the fourth corporate war is definitely one of the things that is an easy touchstone to come back to and kind of think about all of the things that were happening globally as well as in Night City. I mean, it's a shitty, horrible, bad time frame, but a good touchstone time frame. Even before the nuclear event that wiped the downtown area out, people were abandoning the city in droves, doing whatever they could do to avoid getting sniped by drones, crushed by tanks, or just gunned down by corporate kill squads. A large area of Night City was wrecked. And people were climbing all over themselves to get to safer spots like Haywood and Pacifica.
0: Yeah. Yep.
1: Safe spots like Pacifica. Exactly. Among all the chaos, both sides went over the line when the bomb went off. <sighs>
0: The 140 floors tall Arasaka towers were the Northern North American base of operations of the Japanese corporation. The complex was among the tallest buildings that existed at the time being the largest in night city. Uh, I don't, I don't know like all buildings, but like, I know, let me see. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. How many stories?
1: The Burj Khalifa.
0: I mean, the Empire State Building is one hundred and two stories. Mm. Yeah, the Burj Khalifa—that's the the biggest.
1: Yeah, it's the world's tallest building. One
0: hundred and sixty-three. One hundred and sixty-three. Okay, so a bit taller. I actually want to look it up now. Oh. Because it gives us that much, but I want to know how tall it was exactly. Tower. 2034 feet. Oh. The Burj Khalifa is 2722 feet. So, yeah. That is a big fucking building.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Wait, hold on. How... Tall is. Do we know how tall our Tower was?
0: Yeah, the the two thousand thirty four feet. Oh, okay. Although that might be the new one. The old one might have been. No, that's a different thing. Hmm. But it says a hundred has hundred and forty floors. So I think yeah, I think two thousand thirty four. So tall, very tall. Now on August 20th, 2023, we celebrated that, that day here, um, a Militech incursion team led by Morgan Blackhand and Johnny Silverhand attempted an infiltration mission into the towers in order to destroy Arasaka's reliquary database project. The idea was to render the project unusable for the rival corp, by using a tactical nuke with the planned area, a heavily shielded complex to absorb the impact of the blast and prevent massive destruction.
1: Um, hold on. Um, I kind of want to, I read this next line and then I stopped myself and I wanted to come back. Just because when I read it out loud, it kind of hit my brain in a real world way that I wanted to trigger warning that I'm about to describe the destruction of a tower, and yeah,
0: so here yeah trigger trigger warning for, uh, I guess content yeah content of terrorism content of uh uh nuclear destruction um yeah A massive death <laughs> as well so yeah
1: <laughs> however somehow the nuclear device prematurely detonated on the 100 120th floor of the southern tower The explosion instantly obliterated the Arasaka Towers, splitting them in half and causing both structures to collapse outward. The entirety of the city and corporate district turned into ruins within seconds, with almost everyone in the immediate area dying. The blast instantly incinerated over 12,000 people in the vicinity of the towers and fatally injured upwards of half a million more. Another quarter million died in the resulting aftermaths over the weeks and months. This event would be known as the Night City Holocaust, or the AHQ disaster.
0: Yes, so there's obviously a bit of disconnect here between list as it's written versus how it's played out in 2077 because obviously um, instantaneous destruction certainly didn't happen uh, in the game or else uh, Johnny would have just died right there right? Uh, because he had time to uh, progress to a different part of the tower, upload a virus um, run away, get Assaulted by Adam Smasher, managed to escape, make it up to the roof. Like there's a lot of stuff there. Which granted, that does come into bring into the question a thing that a lot of people talked about in the game, which is how much of Johnny's memories are him rewriting them to be cooler? Because mm-hmm. it's quite possible. He could have done that and then been like i don't know abducted right away and had not had a chance to do that and they just got him out before the tower blew up but yeah there's still gonna be a bit of disconnect because there's no way the towers blew up instantly in the game because it would have ever would have died so
1: yeah uh and you know it's like because morgan isn't there and so johnny obviously deleted him from his memory um so there's definitely some discrepancies from there and I think a lot of it is Johnny wanting to be more badass than he really was. Yeah. Cuz you never get so many headshots when you're playing as <laughs> V as you do when you Johnny.
0: I mean, I do.
1: Okay, but Johnny's not running a smart pistol or tech.
0: I'm running power. I'm running throwing knives. So put some respect on my name.
1: I have mass respect
0: on your name, but being technically an air blast detonation, it lessened the overall long-term radioactivity and most of the remaining radiation penetrated only the huge skyscrapers surrounding the blast area. Since much of night city and its surroundings were built on fill. And because the elevation was originally very low the nuke caused a minor earthquake that liquefied parts of the fill and flooded the inner parts of the city. The huge blast turned the tons of raw concrete and steel of the buildings into particulate debris that covered the entirety of Northern California and far out to the sea for many months, as well as igniting a fierce firestorm that covered thousands of acres beyond the city the metropolis was barely habitable within 24 hours of the detonation. Lots of night city night, lots of night citizens were unaffected by the initial fallout as they were mostly cybered up or had radioactivity filters installed in their bodies already.
1: I think that that's gotta be like one of the, I would, I I would like the world of cyberpunk for nasal filters to be, Not mandatory, but one of the things that could be very easily given out to anyone who wants one. Because I'm not going to force the monks to get cyberware, you know. But at least nasal filters that'll help keep you alive.
0: You know what else keeps people alive? Healthcare. You know what we can't get in our modern day? (coughs) So... Of course they're not going to get them easily easy access to nasal filters.
1: However, the firestorm destroyed a large portion of the city's housing, forcing people to move over to either the suburbs on the other sides of the bay or to areas even further out. The liquefied shaking soil <laughs> caused by the explosion broke gas mains water pipes and electrical grids the combined dust cloud yay to haboobs the combined dust cloud caused by the event spiraled up into the sky and turned it red with particulate matter for almost two years even after the explosions Bended particles caused the skies at dawn and dusk to glow a lurid red. Inspiring people who lived through that time span to call it the time of the red.
0: Within hours of the disaster, then-US President Elizabeth Kress... Former Militech CEO nationalized Militech through the expediency of their current CEO, General Donald Lundy, and his Reserve Commission, placing them under the control of the still sizable United States military. Cress blamed the Night City attack on the Japanese corporation and banished all of the Arasaka forces from the continental US. However, She was soon able to to determine that the actual weapon used had been supplied by a Militech strike team.
1: Dun, dun, dun.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was pretty bad.
1: Yeah. I love that poetry, though. It is horrible and it is horrendous. But the poetry of the Time of the Red is kind of beautiful.
0: hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh. So, guys, yeah. Welcome to Night City. Oh, I'm excited. This is going to be a
0: great- city of trees. No, sorry. <laughs>
1: Wow. Okay. I'm happy that we're finally here. I don't think that there's anything about Night City, like the history of it so far that I have anything additional to add to. Um, It'll be interesting for sure seeing where the next steps are. All right, Tosu, let's wrap it up. Call it quits for the day. And we can rejoin our listeners next week where we continue through time about Night City. If you'd like to give us a follow on Twitter, you can find us at cyberpunk lore. You can also join our Patreon, patreon.com slash cyberpunk lore where you get ad free versions of the show, weekly bonus content of things that I cut from main feed each week, because boy, are they even too spicy for Spotify. <laughs> you can also find me on the two girls, one ship podcast where we analyze rate and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer we have covered all of these cyberpunk romances but i will say that we're probably going to throw in a bonus episode with uh the new updates as well covering what happens in phantom liberty with the romances and some of the new spicy saucy text messages that you start to get loving reading them what about you gotten any spicy saucy text messages
0: no, because I haven't done any romances yet. Um, but we'll find out what Judy has to say, because, of course, I'm just going to romance Judy again. Because um, why would I romance anyone else? Uh, but if you want more of me, uh, you can check out the Witcher lore cast, uh, as well as the Cyberpunk Red live play podcast. Cyberpunk, Cyberpunk apostrophe D. That I do with the fumbling for an almighty crick.
1: And of course at the end of every episode we shout out Miracle of Sound. Thank you, Gav, for allowing your music to be used. We use snippets from the Neon Red instrumental remix as the in the intro, midbreak, and outro. Toasty, what do the people need to remember?
0: Stay safe in Coronado City. <laughs>
1: So come and listen on Spotify, Apple Stitcher or wherever you get your podcast and always remember
0: swooping